Like, it, every, last week when we sang that song, and this week, uh, the first thing I got, the picture that I got in my mind, and this has nothing to do with today's sermon, so this is free. If you want to pay me for it, that's fine. Okay? Um, but there's a story of when King David was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, that, and he was like he was so entranced in worship and the th- the thing that the, fa- the th- stuff that the, the experience he was having with the father that he literally got naked and danced in the street. And it wasn't that he was trying to show off. He was, but he he was so filled with the spirit that he that he he was undone with 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 the the faithfulness of God. Undone with it. And when he gets back home, his wife who saw him dancing naked in the street says, do you not realize that you, how, how undignified you looked? You know, you know what David said? I can become even more undignified than this. That's what it means to be undone, to lose all, not have no regard for what others think of you, just you and the Father being in there one, like, like just so messed up, messed up from the floor up, y'all, just messed up for what God what you're experiencing in God and 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 that kind of does go along with what we're going to talk about today but you know we've been we've been in this series that we've called multiply and it's a series that's centered around our four core values here at shift church but we but we believe that it's far more than just about being at shift church like it's not just values that shift church have it's if we have as a people as followers of Jesus practice these four core values we would flip this world upside down and multiply to the next generation like no other nobody nobody else like the, you know that song that's been pretty popular the last little bit you know um the blessing song may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations that's multiplication him flowing out of us so when we sing songs like that it's not, it's not about just that the Father is blessing us and pouring out on us. No, it's about as he pours out on us, the Bible says it flows from us. And if we take these core values of multiply that we talked about the first week that we said, when we said that God, God's expectations for the followers of, of, of him to multiply, to do for others that, what he has done for you, which means some of y'all may have to get your hands dirty. You may have to clip them fingernails back so you don't show so much dirt. God's expectation is always multiplication because the last thing South Knoxville needs, the last thing the United States needs, the last thing the world needs is just another church. Have, have you driven down the street? You can pass by, if you count us, you can pass by three in like two seconds. The last thing they need is, a, is another church. What they need is a movement of people. What, the last thing they need is an institution what they really need is, is people who are bold enough to size up and take, take the call, second core value, take their call to share the message of the gospel to the world, to your community where you live, work, and play. It's time for us to size up and fight for what matters most, to step up and take big risks because we serve a big God. We've got to step, and we, talked, we said this last week about sizing up, is that we've got, we got to step out of our comfort zones. Too many of us are staying too comfortable. That's the plot of the enemy. If he can get you comfortable, if he can get you distracted, if he can get you feeling okay, then he knows you're not going to fulfill your, the call that God has on your life. So if you're in life and you're comfortable, you're not where you're supposed to be. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. Have you paid attention to the disciples' lives when you read the Bible? They were not comfortable. They were chased after. They were mocked. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. And it's sometimes in those imprisonment, even in our own imprisonment, we find comfort. But here's the thing, if you stay in your comfort zone, it doesn't make your life safe, we said. 
It makes your life small. It makes your life small. But this week, this is what I believe that God wants us to know this morning. And it's this, is that the world is waiting for what you have. Derek, I don't have anything. My hands are empty. The world is waiting for what you have. You have a treasure inside of you waiting to be poured out for others, for your community. In fact, Paul would write to the Corinthian church. He would say this. He would say, now it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. That new covenant ministry is just amazing. Like we read stuff like that and we're like, oh, new covenant. Ooh, you know, whatever. That's just what you read over it. But this is a big deal, y'all. Because the old covenant showed you that you couldn't meet the standards of God. And the new covenant says, I'm going to send someone who can and do it for you anyway. So quit trying and just be for a minute. Me, me, and, my, me and my buddy Josh yesterday was having this conversation about what does holiness really look like. Because, you know, you have the incorruptible, this is even part of the sermon, you have the incorruptible holiness of God, right? He's like, nothing, he cannot lose his holiness, but then he also calls us holy, Hold up, wait a minute. There ain't nothing holy about me. No, Jesus says you are holy, which means you're holy. Like, even in your brokenness, you are holy. Start acting like it. Just be it. Now it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the, with the privilege of this new, new covenant ministry. What is this privilege? That's the question. What is this privilege? And we will not quit. Oh, that's, that's fighting words right there. The privilege of this new covenant ministry, and we will not quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. And what, you remember what we said at the beginning, what is the word of God? Because most people would lift up the Bible and say, this is the word of God. But John 1 says, the word, was, word became flesh and dwelt among man. That's Jesus. We're not going to distort Jesus' message. We're not going to store who Jesus is. He is the almighty creator, savior of the world, and he's also your best friend. Destroying the word of God. Instead, we open our souls to be to be to you to you, but to who? To the to those around you. Remember, this, this is you talking. Place yourself in the scripture. We open our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and the presence of God. Even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are perishing. This is, this is a crazy thought. This next, don't, don't get scared in these next couple of verses, y'all, because you're hearing the gospel, so it's not veiled to you. Okay? Even if, you're, even, even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are, who are perishing. For their minds have, have been blinded by the God of, his, of this age. By the God of this age. You notice that's a little g? What is your God right now? Have you, is your God the government? Have you, have you been blinded by the government? <laughs> I love Joe. <laughs> hey, 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 are, are you, hey, I'm here, this is, this is for some of us parents. Are, is your God your kids? Kid? Maybe you're investing so much into your kids that they don't see the gospel, but they, all they see is who you wanted to be when you were a kid. You with me? Quit living your life through your kids, y'all. got knives today what is your god what is it is it your spouse yeah you're supposed to chase after your spouse but you don't put them on a spe the same pedestal as you do 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 our father in heaven 
You are blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the, one, of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the lordship of Jesus Christ. Is he your Lord? He can be your Savior, but is he your Lord? Do you listen to what he has to say? For we are your servants. Whose servants are, are we? Jesus is, but who, who are we talking to? Those around us. We are your servants for Jesus' sake. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And too many of us are putting a basket. Oh, no. <laughs> know that old song? It's for, we are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness. What's that talking about? Like, what is that imagery? The, dark, the light shining from the darkness of your soul. It is, is the one who has is cascaded his light into us. Have you ever seen cascade, something cascade? Happens every week here. When the big puff of smoke comes and rolls over the top of the stage, that's cascading. That means when the Holy Spirit comes and when G, the, the, what we've experienced in Jesus, when it comes into us, it cascades out of us. His light his, cascades his light into us, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. What, what's, that, what the, what, what, what's that saying, Derek? I'll tell you what it's saying. It's really cool. Is that when we see the faces of other people, when I'm face-to-face with my dad, when I'm face-to-face with that, with that student at school, we're face-to-face with Jesus. What are you doing to serve Jesus. We are like common clay jars. This is beautiful, y'all. We are common clay. Anybody common up in here? Out here. Ain't nothing extraordinary about me. Little Mickey, who's playing drums up here, he's a handsome dude. Carrie, he's a little bit more than common. <laughs> we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power. Have you ever filled something to overflow? Have you, have you ever filled your gas tank up too much? And when it overflows, it gets all over you, and it goes with you and tracks with you, and everywhere you go, you smell gasoline. That is the Holy Spirit. So that this extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. Listen, we win. Read the end of the book. We are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do. Hallelujah, I know that one. Listen, as your pastor, I'm going to let you know I have no clue what I'm doing. Straight up. At times, we don't know what we do, but quitting is not an option. We, we cannot shut up. We cannot sit down for what God has done in us. And if you are sitting down and you are shutting up about what God has done, you need to reevaluate your relationship with Jesus. And that's coming from a loving heart. That's not coming from somebody who's judging your life or judging your journey with Jesus. Because it, this, like if, if you give up and you quit, you've got to question, am I really a follower of Jesus? And I say that with love. Don't give up. Because it's not an option. Because he didn't give up on you. All those angels surrounding him when he was on the cross and he had the chance of saying, take me down from this, and he didn't. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus. And by that, that means service. Like, serving, like he, he gave something. He poured his life out. 
In, but we, we, in, in death of Jesus in our own body so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. Ooh, y'all, this is getting good. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake. We're constantly pouring out, pouring out everything we have so that the message of Jesus Christ gets to those who we live, work, and play with. We pour it out for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then, death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. Ooh, y'all. Paul, Paul, Paul could write some poetry. Paul could write some poetry. We have the tre- we have the, the treasure of grace and mercy poured into us. We are, we are served by Christ himself because of, because of the love he had for us. And now, with this love and service poured into us by Christ, we understand that serving motivated by love is the catalyst for multiplication. I, how many of y'all have ever, let me, give, let me give you an example. You go to the drive-thru and you pull up. And you go to hand your money over to the person behind you before you paid for it. And you're like, oh, well, forward. And it becomes like a chain reaction, right? It happened to me the other day. I went went and go bought some coffee. And they're like, you are like the 20th person who who has paid it forward. Because service always leads to multiplication. Service always leads to multiplication. And it's why me and you... And we at Shift Church believe as followers of Jesus, our core value and what we believe in, what we walk in is this, is that when it comes to our faith and our resources and our time and our talents and our treasures, it's our call to pour it out. Pour it out. For, for, many, of, for many of us, that, that, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Or, or maybe you're one of those people, well, here's this pastor, he's going to talk about money. Well, a little bit, but it has nothing really to do about money at all. It has to do with your heart. But we are called to, since Christ poured into us, poured out everything into us, gave up everything for us, it's our call to do that for the people in our community. It, it, we're called to, to, to service to those around us. And, but for many of us, though, we feel like we don't have anything to pour out, right? Maybe, maybe this week you just feel drained. How can I, how can, how, like, I don't have anything left to give this week. May, you feel drained, like how, like, like, I, I just bought a house and, and I don't have any money to give or, or I, I work three jobs, I don't have any time and I don't know about, I'm not, have you heard me sing? I ain't got no talent. I don't know what I have to give. We feel like we have no time and no talents and no treasures but I, I want us to look at a story about a woman with, a, with, with, with that similar story. She had lost everything, well, almost everything. Almost everything. And, and, she, and she's actually about to lose what little she had left unless, unless God intervened, right? But how, how, how God used a prophet to intervene w- w- like shocks us because like, God, God, God's economy is so much different than ours, right? God's economy is so much different. Than, but listen to this story. Listen to this story. I love this story. Second Kings 4.1, it's, it's one of my all-time favorites, okay? Because it's like one of those deals of like, you sit there and you go, that, that seems like a stupid question, Elisha, that Elisha asked. Listen, one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets, her husband, who is dead, husband's dead, okay, you understand that? He was part of the, the, the 
priest team. He was, uh, they, back then they had a bunch of preachers. Some of y'all would like that probably. If we had a bunch of preachers here, she didn't have to hear me all the time. They had a bunch of preachers, and her husband was one of them, and he had died. But one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now creditor, a creditor has come threatening to take my sons as slaves. Hold up. This woman has lost almost everything, and she feels like she has nothing to give, nothing she could offer these creditors, and they're about to drain her of everything else she has. Because I don't, like, yeah, it'd be, like, you have to understand, it's more than just they're taking my sons away. Because in that culture, you have to understand, like, it was men who worked. Your wealth was based on what your man could do. What you doing, my man? You ain't got no job sleeping on the couch at your mama's house? Your, 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 her, her livelihood is on the line here. If they take my sons, I lose everything. I lose my property. I have no money. I have no food. They're going to take everything. I have, I'm about to lose everything else. And listen, listen to what, listen to Elisha's response. You ready? Here's what he says. What, what can I do to help you? Like, you think I can do something? <laughs> They're right for me too. I got to pay some taxes. You know what I'm saying? What can, I do, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me. This is what he says. What do you have in the house? Wait a minute. Didn't she just pretty much tell him she had nothing but her sons? How dare you, Elisha, say, what do you have in your house? Are you serious? Like, you're gonna act, like, I, you want me to re, like, relive that shame of saying I've lost everything? You see... This seems like a strange question to ask someone who just lost everything. But this question is such a deep question for us to ask. Well, for Elisha to ask and for really us to ask ourselves. Because one of the, one of the enemy's most effective strategies is to get you to focus on what you don't have. What you used to have or what someone else has that you wish you had. Anthony has a nice boat that I wish I had. I'm, that was supposed to be funny, and only like one person laughed. <laughs> but, but isn't that true, though? How many times do you focus on what you don't have or what got messed up or, 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 or you see a new Tundra driving down the road and you're like, ooh, that looks sexy. I wish I had that. And you start talking about how, looking about how trashy your stuff is, or maybe you see somebody with a talent that you wish you had, and, you, and so you, you forget the talent that you do have. Maybe it's with numbers, maybe it's whatever, but you see Cody up here belting at the top of his lungs, and you're like, man, I wish I had that. And the, what the enemy is doing is, 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 is distracting you from what you do have. This is what he does. He, he does this to keep you from looking around and asking, God, what can you do through what I do have? Many of us give up what we want most for what we want now. So we sacrifice what we do have and what God is cultivating in us for later for what we want now. So, so let me ask you, those who feel like you don't have anything, what do you have in the house what do you have in the house? And that, I'm going to answer the question for you. You want to know what we all have in here? Our time and our talent 
and our treasure. But I told you I didn't have any. Oh, 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 you have something in the house. What do you have in the house? Nick, I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I have my talent. I don't know if my talent's good enough. I don't have a lot of money. But see, it's, it's not about an amount of time or money. It's not about being the best at, at your talent. It's about the willingness of, a, of the heart. And what you deem to be important and a value. You see, here's the deal. If you value something, if you value something, you're going to put every effort in it to, 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 make, to make it work out, right? You wanted that house, right? You, or you wanted whatever that is, and you, made, you did whatever possible to get that. Because here's the deal. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. And if it's not, you'll find an excuse. If, it, if it's important, important, you'll find a way, and if it's not, you'll find an excuse, or Finn's an excuse if you're looking at the screen. I was going to call it out before somebody else did. But if, if something is important to you, you're going you're gonna to find a way to do it, right? Quit looking at what everyone else has and making that important, and look what's inside of your house. Start valuing the gifts that God's given you. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. This is funny. So, verse 2 here. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what do you have in the house? Nothing at all. She, she did it. I have nothing. You didn't even go look. <laughs> nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, listen, listen, to, listen to the gall that... Elisha has. Listen, like all she has is what? Her two sons. We knew that from the beginning of the story, but she didn't even mention them there, so maybe they're not important. I'm just kidding. That was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> Dang, tough room. <laughs> this is, listen, so she has her two sons, and she has this flask. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've seen a flask before. They're not very big. Well, it depends on who you are, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> listen, all she has is a flask of wool and her two sons. Listen to what, what Elisha tells her to do. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can. How's that going to help me? Okay, I have this. You want me to go borrow some empty stuff? That empty stuff has no value. It's like, hey, go get a bunch of empty Coke bottles. Like, they have no value. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Oh, this, she's got to be embarrassed. You know what I'm saying? You want, me to, you want me to go ask my friends for empty jars? Are you serious? Like, what are they going to think of me? Well, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. Then go into your house with your, with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Let's think about the logic there for a minute. You want me to go get all these other people's jars and pour my flask into their jars. Elisha, are, did you get into the communion wine? Are you serious? This is crazy. Elisha tells her to go take the little she has and pour it out. That is a size-up move right there. 
That's taking a big risk if that's all you really have. To take what she feels isn't a lot and pour it out, but there's something that struck out to me in this passage, and I don't know if you noticed this, but it says, go into your house with your, own, with, with your sons and shut the door behind you. Like, that's a crazy phrase. Because if you're needing help, don't you, don't you feel like you need to let people know you need help? And here's, here's the thing that God showed me this week, is oftentimes we wonder how, what we're going to pour out or how we're going to pour out, but God cultivates your poor in private. Do you think, like, I'm just going to use Cody, for example, do you think that as soon as he got the gall to sing, he stood up on a stage and sang, and what did he do? He probably sang in the shower. Yep. It probably still sounded sexy. Do you think, do you think, do you think, uh, you think, you think, you think Anthony, the first time he put a guitar in his hand, stood up on a stage and started wailing out? No, he practiced his poor in private. See, oftentimes we, we think that getting, getting recognition or get, being put on a stage is how our talent or our poor gets noticed, and it's not at all. Some of the most powerful moments happen in private. God cultivates your poor in private. This is something like, this, like, and this is another way of saying, when it comes to pouring your life out, when it comes to giving of your time, your talent, and treasure, this is something you have to seek the face of God for. Because he may be calling you to something scary, and if, you, if, he tells you, uh, if he tells me something up here, it may be a little scary for me to go, well, guess what we're doing, y'all? Like, like you've got to seek the face of God on it. How much, do, how much time do I give? How much money do I give? How much, how much of my talent do I give? You know, like, like, I don't, like, that's in private. Your poor is cultivated in private. Like, what is he asking you to give? But here's the thing that we have to understand is that I don't care who it is in this room or you listening online, as followers of Jesus, we are demanded to pour it out. We're not asked, hey, if you get a chance, give some of your time, your talent, and your treasure. No, we are, as followers of Jesus, this is for those who are just followers of Jesus. If you're a guest here or you're not a believer, I'm not asking, God's not asking you for anything. But if you're a follower of Jesus, he, his call is to pour it out. And he get, does give some guidelines inside of Scripture. But I'm going to challenge you to maybe try something here in a minute. But we'll get to that here in a second. But we're all called to pour. But Derek, what about tomorrow? Like, what if, what if I gave of my time t today? What if I gave of my treasure today? What if I gave uh, of my talent today and I needed it tomorrow? Like, we're so worried. Like, we're so, like if, how can we trust God with our, self, with our eternity, but we can't trust him to get us to the end of the month? You know what I'm saying? That's, think of your own logic in that. If it, like, why would you want to serve a God who, who couldn't get you to the end of the month? You with me? That's crazy to think about. If you can trust him with your eternity, you can trust him come January 31st. I don't even know if there's 31 days of January. I'm just saying. I didn't pay attention in elementary school. Here's the deal, y'all. God is already in your tomorrow. If he's asking you to give but of your time, your talent, and your treasure, then he's got you. He's got you. 
Let me, let me show you what happens. <laughs> so cool. Because sometimes, you know, when you go ask your pastor something or ask somebody you hold an honor to do something, they tell you to do something crazy, you don't do it. It's like, mm, he's crazy. Like my counselor one time said, hey, write a letter to your 10-year-old self. I was like, that's stupid. So I went and wrote 10, uh, my 10-year-old self a letter. Ooh, it was freeing, you know. But that's a whole other story. But you know, have you ever been asked to do something? You're like, I ain't doing that. That's stupid. Yeah. This is what she did. This is what, how she followed the person she asked advice from. So she did as she was told. Like how much simpler would life be if we would just do what Jesus told us to do? So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jar, jars to her. Wait a minute. He, they kept what? All she had was a little flask. They kept bringing jars to her, and, and she filled one after another. But notice here. Why, why did she take Elisha at his word? This will be a tough one. Tough question, isn't it? Because that's a crazy, crazy, crazy request. Take that little bit you have and pour it out. She did it because you invest in what you value. You invest into what you value. Too many of us are putting our finances and our time and our talents into things that at the end of the day don't even matter. You know how I know? Open up your checkbook. Open up your time card. Just check your DVR history, y'all. Hey, there's some good shows right now. I'm with you. But you invest in what you value. So maybe for some of us, this is me too. We need to check in what we're putting value on. Because if we put value on the wrong things, when you get to the end of your life, you're going to look back. That's where regret comes from. You valued the wrong things. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying don't go do these things, don't do that. This, I'm just saying be careful what you invest in. Because what you invest in is really what you value. So listen to this, verse 5. So she did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. This is what she said. She said, bring me another jar so she still has more to pour out she had more than she even realized she had in her house bring me another jar she said to one of her sons and there aren't any more he told her and then the olive oil stopped flowing when she told the man of God when she told Elisha what had happened he said to her now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and that you have your son, you and your sons can live on what is left. See, sometimes we approach things in life and you, you hear people say, you hear preachers say, you got, you got to give more, you got to give of your time, you got to get, we need volunteers, take your next steps. We don't do that just because we want volunteers, we're doing that for your spiritual journey. We say pour out pour out your pour out your time, right? 
can you come can you come volunteer for us I wonder what it would look like you know the the Bible talks about giving a tenth and a lot of times it's in regards to money but what if we gave 10% of our time every week to making sure people knew the gospel message what if we poured out our time well what about what if we poured out what if we gave like 10% of our treasure and we, we begin to pour it out and we're like, man, this is the only, this is the only jar. I, uh, this, this is my one life. YOLO. I only live once. I can't keep pouring myself out like this because eventually I'm going to be empty. Then you hear people like me go, hey, listen, hey, um, I'm, I mean, can I celebrate something with y'all real quick? Before, you know, because really when it comes to finances, it's not about money. It's about generosity. That's two different things. Yeah, hey, let me, tell you, let me tell you about y'all's generosity. Y'all know y'all, y'all may have saved the life of 220, 210 kids Christmas. Because of your generosity, we had 210 gifts. Some teachers got to take some home. Because <laughs> y'all, y'all, through y'all's generosity, y'all gave more than what was needed. Let me tell y'all something else. I was freaking out. Middle of year. Remember when I said our, we need, like, of course, the budget year is not over. Just so you guys know. It comes at the end, right before August. But, you know, I said we needed a 28% increase in giving in our generosity. You want to know, come December 31st, you want to know, because of your generosity, how much we've, we took in in 2020? Because of your generosity? $106,000. Because y'all, because y'all took serious our call to pour it out. But, but, but see, you hear a preacher say, hey, listen, the Bible calls for your, not only 10% of your money, but 10% of your time and your talent. What does 10% look like there? You spend eight hours at work every day, right? Why don't you take eight minutes and talk about your faith with somebody? Uh, Derek, I'm really good with numbers, and I, I'm, like, I'm a financial guru. I, I work... I work 40 hours a week at, at, a, at a bank or at a financial institution, well, why don't you sit with the family for four hours a week and go through the budget with them? I made $10 today, Derek. Okay, why don't you give a dollar? That's all God demands for us to pour out. But Derek, see, you're, you're almost empty. This is, this is a thought that happens, right? We think when we begin to pour, when we begin to pour out, we, we are one flask, that our one life, because, you know, as a, as a fellow church says in our network, you know, we, because your one life can make a difference. We think, what if I pour everything out and I have nothing? Like, I have never been like, you've given so much to somebody and you're like, you, like it was like a stonewall, like, because you approached it with the wrong heart. And if we approach it with the right heart, when we go, oh, they want us to pour, this is going to get dangerous, y'all. I don't even I told Dad, oh, he's going to come get this here in a minute, gonna be, I'm going to make a mess. Because we, we go, I, I, Derek, I have nothing left to give. And then, and you hear me say, "What's in the house?" And you go to pick up, you go to pick up your, you go to pick up your, your flask, and you go, 
wait a minute, I just, I just emptied myself and because when you pour yourself out to others, to your local church, to your community, to the people you live with, it fills you when you have the right heart. So when you, you're like, so you want to, so what if, got to, got to take the cap off. What if, so I just poured everything out and I have more to give now because I'm filled up because my, my heart is different. Okay, God, I'm going to try something. I'm gonna, God, I'm going to, I'm going to, because this is the one thing he said you, you can test him on. Okay, I'm going to give 15%. And it begins to overflow in the world around you. So here's, a, here's, here's a challenge. I, I've said this a couple times before. Because I know maybe there's somebody in here, maybe you're listening online and said, Derek, you're just after my money. You just want me to volunteer at your church. You want me just to do this. Just a couple challenges. Let's just talk about giving for a second. Let's talk about generosity for a second. I'll give you that. Because there are been some people in my position who have done that, done that the wrong way. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Two challenges when it comes to money. Okay? Two challenges when it comes to money. Give your 10% somewhere else. Give it somewhere else. It's a challenge. Give it somewhere else. If you think I'm just after your money, or the ship church is after your money, give it somewhere else. Or, here's another thing. Give your 10% for the next six months. At the end of six months, if you haven't been blessed by God, and I'm not just talking about finances, because a lot of times, that's hey, you know, you hear those people on TV who say, send me a hundred and God will bless you with a thousand. No, that's not how it works. His tenfold may not be tenfold may not be financially it may be a son or a daughter it may be whatever you know he's gonna bless you i'm not i'm just saying get for the next six months give 10 percent if you make a hundred dollars this week give 10 10 dollars to church for the next six months and if at the end of six months you come to me and say hey listen i've given for the last six months and we have we have we keep record that way you can file it on your taxes okay I'll go back and we'll cut you a check for everything you gave. But I want you to give with the right heart. You're like, there, God, I just don't know. Like, you're just wanting to use me for my talent. Okay. Go serve somewhere else. Or serve here for the next six months. And at the end of the six months, if you say, Derek, I just don't, I don't feel like I'm, God's blessed me, I just don't, okay. Don't worry about it. You, or maybe, maybe you're like, maybe you're like, Derek, I don't have much time, so that was talent, right? I don't have, I don't have time to give, okay. I don't, I don't have time to, to give, okay. You just, you just want me to spend all my you just want me to constantly think about shift church. Okay, listen, 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 listen. Go spend 10% of your time every day with someone else. Sharing the gospel. For the next six months. Invest in somebody. 10 minutes a day. Invest into somebody's life. 
And if that person's life isn't changed over the next months or your life's not changed over the next six months, you can quit. I mean, what do you got to lose? Really? You with me? What do you got to lose? And I'm going to tell you, if you take it serious, oh man, God's going to blow up. This community will be changed. There will be a revival in the next six months. So if you're like, Derek, you're just wanting me to give more to here, you just want me to spend more time here, you want me to use my talents here, and I could be making money out here, okay? Go do it somewhere else. Because I want you to live in fulfillment of the call of Jesus on your life. Whether it be here, because listen, we've said from the beginning when it comes to Shift Church, it's not about our kingdom. It's about His kingdom. That's why we, we love putting a dance floor in the middle of the it's not about our kingdom it's about the kingdom that's why when a musician calls and goes hey can I can we come do it can we come do a show at your church I say absolutely because it's not about our kingdom it's about us pouring back into those around us and God's going to bless it I'm just inviting you into that story you with me so the question becomes what do you have in your house that you can pour out and lead to overflow. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here and really for giving us the opportunity to be able to have the opportunity to pour out. God, I pray that we take you at your word. I pray we follow the Spirit's lead. It seems like everything is gone that we trust and lean on you.